0: Good morning, church. Well, it is good to be together. Good to be back with you guys. Um, several announcements just to keep us updated. Uh, we do have congregational midweek this Wednesday. Okay, starting at seven thirty, um, and then. This upcoming Saturday, we have our great banquet event, okay? This is, uh, yeah, really excited about, just an opportunity for us to really come together and serve the community, and uh, it's at the Carnegie Building, starting at 6, and I know that there's something going around in your emails and online, Um, just asking for people to bring stuff. So if you have questions, I encourage you to talk to the Fords, talk with Michael, talk with Joy, talk with Gwen, and uh, they can direct you as needed. So really, really excited about that opportunity. Um, and then we have a new member orientation, kind of a lunch QA. This is for anyone that has moved in, has become a new member, and baptized within the last year ish. Okay? Uh, if you have any questions about that, talk to Brett Schmidt. If you don't know if you qualify within that time range, just ask Brett, okay? I'm uh, really looking forward to that. That's going to be next Sunday. And then, uh, you know, that's kind of all you need to know for like really upcoming, but toward the end of the month, November 30th, they're having an all-men's Devo in Kansas City. The Kansas City Church is hosting that, Uh, so that's going to be a great opportunity for us to pull together as men and also build connections with the church in Kansas City. And then, uh, man, our end-of-the-year banquet is quickly approaching, December 2nd, all right, Uh, 6 p.m. at Maselli's again, so keep a lookout for those, keep that on your radar. And then uh, we're going to go ahead and say a prayer here, Holly Fernandez, she has another surgery tomorrow. Okay, so we're really praying that this is the last surgery and that uh, she has recovered from the last one. But let's continue to keep Holly and her family in our prayers. So let's just go ahead and go to uh, God in prayer right now. Amen. God, we come before you and pray for... Uh, the rest of our service, we ask that you would open our hearts to your word. God, we also come before you right now and just say a special prayer for Holly, uh, for her family, God, for Haley here. God, please keep them uh, at peace. Please comfort them. And God, I pray just for a extremely successful surgery tomorrow. That it would be quick, that there would be quick recovery, that they'd get all of the cancer out. God, please keep her strong and uh, guide the, the doctors that are involved. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get into it this morning. We're starting a new series uh, that's going to take us through the next four to five or six weeks, just depending on, you know, how far we get, right? Um, But I'm really, guys, I'm really, really excited about this series. And we're going to be focusing on the kingdom. Now, the kingdom, this is one of the central themes throughout the entire Bible. And it's especially one of, if not the central theme in most of Jesus' preaching. Um, and there's a big reason for that. There was great purpose behind this idea of a kingdom. You know, after the garden, after man betrays God, sin comes into the world, God sets in motion this plan to restore his relationship with man. And a part of that plan was for God to set aside... A small group of people, a nation, a kingdom, to help lead the world back and restore his relationship with man. And so throughout the entire Old Testament, you see this theme of a nation or a kingdom. And God intended for that group of people to be different than the rest of the world. And he would set an example of how he intended for us to live through that group of people showing an example for everybody else, bringing everybody back and restoring that relationship with him. And ultimately, he would use this group of people, this kingdom, this nation, to save the world. That's a great purpose. And so you can understand why it's a, a theme that's woven throughout Scripture, both Old and New Testament. Now, you could spend an entire year or more studying out this idea of the kingdom, and you still probably wouldn't fully grasp it or fully know everything about it. Okay? So, we are in no way going to cover every single detail in four to six weeks. So, what we're going to do primarily is we're going to focus on where Jesus started his ministry in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're going to hit the highlights and hopefully get a good understanding of God's intention for his kingdom. An expectation for our hearts and for our lives. Amen? Now, I'll give you, I'll give you a little sneak peek here, how it ends. This, this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as their teachers of the law taught. Wow. You know, this, this inaugural message... And Jesus' ministry amazed the crowds. You know, they were so used to this pharisaical religious way of doing faith, right? That this message that went after the heart was unlike anything they had ever heard. And it challenged everything that they had come to know, everything they had come to do, It challenged the way that they lived. It challenged their faith. It challenged their hearts. It challenged their relationship with God. And guys, church, as we go through this, it is going to challenge us. It will challenge us as a church. It's going to challenge our relationship with God. It's going to challenge our hearts. It's going to challenge the way that we do religion, right? And so I want to encourage us as we go through this. I want to encourage all of us to be reading the Sermon on the Mount in our quiet times and to really be evaluating where our hearts are at as we go through this. Amen? But before we can get into the Sermon on the Mount, as I love to do, we've got to go way back, right? Because it starts... It starts way before Jesus is even alive or opens his mouth in Matthew chapter 5 when he's talking about the, to these people with the Sermon on the Mount. And so we've got to dig into some history here, amen? Now, throughout this theme, okay, there's three words that I want us to remember. Throughout this entire series, okay, live heaven now. That's going to be a theme that we'll continue to touch and go back to and circle around all throughout these next four to six weeks. Live heaven now. But, right, before we get into that, let's go back, all right? Let's go back. Now, if you don't like history, hopefully, if you, if you, you know, have heard me preach before, my goal, if you're not going to like history, at least for everybody in this room to appreciate history, amen, right? <laughs> um, I love history. History is the why behind the what, okay? Um, it's important. So even if you don't love it, you're going to appreciate it, all right? So what we're going to do today, I know that the campus had an all-night prayer night on Friday. (laughs) And uh, I don't know how you're feeling. We all got an extra hour of sleep, okay? So just soak it up, amen? All right? Stick with it. Because here's the deal, guys. In order for the Sermon on the Mount to really hit home that the, the, the way that Jesus intended it and preached it, we have to understand some of this stuff, right? We've got to be students of God's Word and understand why things are being said and how Jesus meant things and how the people hearing it heard it. Okay, so that's why we've got to go through this history. But I know you guys are excited because, <laughs> right, we're, we're a church that loves God's Word, so we love history. Amen. <laughs> God's Word, and I love history, so even if you don't, you're going to get some of it, alright? Woo! Here we go! Alright? We're, we're rewinding. We're rewinding, okay? Right around. Now, this is... Do not take this timeline and go write a, you know, dissertation on it and quote me, because this is... I've rounded, okay? Round to the nearest tenth-ish. Okay? Mitch. Just calm down over there, man. Calm down. So in 2090 B.C., all right, God God implements his covenant with Abraham. He says, Abraham, from you, I'm going to create a vast nation. greater, More numerous than the stars, more numerous than the dust and the sand on the earth. From you, this hundred-old geezer that was way past the age of having kids, a miracle is going to come, and a vast nation I'm going to create through you. Okay, then you fast forward from about 1850 to 1450, 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Now, that's kind of an interesting way for God to go about that, right? And then what you get, they come out of Egypt, right? Moses and Exodus, and God implements his covenant with Israel. And he says, through you guys... You're going to be my chosen people, and I'm going to create a kingdom of priests. You guys will be my kingdom, different from all the other kingdoms in the earth. And then about five seconds later, right, Moses takes it down, tells him everything God says. The people say, amen. We're with you. We agree with everything you say. We agree to this covenant. We're in and then like 10 more seconds later, and they break the covenant, okay? That's followed by 40 years of wandering in the desert, okay? And then Joshua comes, the crusades into the promised land. They, uh, they fill the land of Canaan, and then you have about 300 years of disobedience and defeat, right? And you read through the book of Judges, Um, A a quote you often hear, in those days Israel did as they saw fit, Israel disobeyed in the eyes of the Lord, etc., 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 etc. That's followed by a hundred years of success, right? (coughs) The kingdom is established, the kingdom of Israel, Saul, David, Solomon. The scriptures say that there was peace on all sides from their enemies, their territory increased, their influence around the world increased, their militaristic power increased. Success. 100 years. Followed by about 200 years of division and disappointment and disobedience. Followed by being conquered by the Assyrians, being exiled and conquered by the Babylonians. Being conquered by the Persians, being conquered by Alexander the Great and the Greeks, and being conquered by the Romans. So let's summarize this. Hey, Abraham, through you, I'm going to create a vast nation. And with that people, I'm going to create a kingdom that's different from the rest of the world. They're going to be my kingdom, right? After he sets up this covenant with Abraham, this is followed by 400 years of slavery, 40 years of desert wandering. 300 years of disobedience and defeat, 100 years of victory, 200 years of division and decline, and 700 years of being conquered, exiled, and tossed around back and forth, humiliated by every other world power that they were surrounded by. What a confusing, disappointing Frustrating, heartbreaking, humiliating history. Over a thousand years of defeat, disappointment, discouragement, disobedience, defiance, decline, division. Hundreds of years. (coughs) Now, can you imagine, try to imagine the amount of pent up? frustration, anger, bitterness that you would have if you were a part of that group of people. Now, and they, I think it was hard for them to grasp the idea that, hey, some of this, most, a lot of this is kind of your fault, right? your sin, right? But we don't always see our sin when we're in it. So, you know, a lot of times we don't see the, you know, God, what? I thought we were supposed to be your kingdom, right? We were supposed to be your people. And generation after generation, this frustration, this anger was passed down. So you can imagine how they were feeling. And all they had to hold on to were these these prophets. They would come. And they would tell about a day when a Messiah was going to come, when a Savior was going to come, and do away with all this junk. And there was going to be a new kingdom. And so they held on to these prophecies and hope for these days. And look at some of the quotes from these prophecies, right? And, you know, you can write these down because the, the chapters are much longer. But I just want to highlight some of the, the – these are the sentences that stuck in their minds that they held on to. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Think about that. They're in the middle of being tossed around by all these other nations, and they're hearing these prophecies of there's going to be a guy coming, and of the greatness of his government, there will not be an end. The government will be on his shoulders. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Right? And that's just someday. I will put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on earth. And then look at this one. In the time of those kings, in the time of all those other nations, God will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to any other people it will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Amen. Right? That's basically what they were expecting. More or less. Okay? Right? Gains. After a thousand years of jump. A thousand years of being tossed back and forth between the Assyrians and Babylonians and just back and forth, right like a ragdoll, just being mistreated, being taken away from their home, their villages being burned down, being put into slavery, being mistreated. Thousands, hundreds of years of this junk. But one day, the only thing keeping us going, one day, a Savior's gonna come. He will be mighty. He'll come with the fear of the Lord. He'll come with justice. And he's going to set up a kingdom that's going to destroy all the other kingdoms. We will no longer be under anyone else, but every other nation will be under our feet. He's going to do away with all this junk. This kingdom will never be destroyed, and we're going to be back on top of the world. Just like when David was king. And, oh, by the way, this guy was going to be from the line of David. So everything David was, this guy's going to be David 2.0, right? He's going to be super David, okay? He will have unmatched strength, unmatched knowledge, unmatched might, unmatched, you name it. Military prowess, political prowess, the government will be on his shoulders. This is what they were expecting. Fine. Sure, Mr. Roman soldier. I'll carry your bag full of junk because you're going to beat me if I don't. But one day, payback's coming. And it's not going to be kind. And everything you did to me, you're going to get back way worse and you're going to be under my feet. I'm going to be asking you to carry my bag. Right? This is what they were. And every year, they're wondering, is this going to be the year? Is this going to be the year the Messiah is going to come? Now imagine for a second, you're walking around town and you're hearing whispers. This furry dude from the forest named John, coming around, walking around, saying, (laughs) and he's saying, prepare yourself because the kingdom is at hand. Imagine all that emotion. All that excitement, all the frustration, all the, all of it for hundreds of years, just coming back. Finally, finally, it's our time. The king and I don't know what. The, I don't know if they were expecting like something to fall out of the sky, like an actual city, and just smash. You know, or or what? I don't know what they were expecting, right? But just something incredible. All this junk is done with. The kingdom is near. John, you don't need to tell me to get ready. I've been ready. I've been ready for hundreds of years. All of us have been ready. We are ready. Now imagine this guy named Jesus. He's going around into all the synagogues, and he's preaching how the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. And he starts healing people's sicknesses, performing these miracles. The excitement is building. And it says at the beginning of the gospel accounts that people came from everywhere to follow this God. Just to see, is this this for real? Is this actually happening? We've been waiting forever. Is this actually happening? Is this the God? And so Jesus takes all these followers. He brings them on this mountainside. And he's going to address them for the first time. What is he going to say? Is he going to... Get recruits to put his army together? Is he going to unfold his military strategy to defeat Rome? Is he going to show us where this new kingdom is? is it, you know, do we have to go travel to it? Do, we need to, do I need to pack my bag? What is he going to say? Whew, finally. Now imagine what was going through their minds when the first thing that came out of his mouth was blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. You know what meekness is? Meekness is having strength, but withholding it. Blessed are those, the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, From the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What? Right? I mean, honestly, guys, try to put yourself in their shoes. How disappointing. What? I'm blessed when I'm insulted. I've been insulted for the last... That's all our history is is us being insulted. I don't feel very blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do you think the Romans are peacemakers? you think the Romans are merciful? you think Rome got where they were by being meek? What? You're supposed to be this Messiah we've heard all about? Coming with justice and righteousness and establishing a kingdom that's going to crush all these other kingdoms? And you're telling me to turn the other cheek? Forget that. This dude's a fraud, right? They expected a superhero, right? They expected a superhero to erect a new physical kingdom that was going to set up an army and go fight the Romans, destroy everybody, and enslave all the other nations. That's what they expected. Super Jesus. Super David 2.0, right? I love the song that we sang. Great among the nations, this verse. Scholars looked for him in vain, their earthly king, he never came. Instead, a carpenter would start, a movement of the heart. Amen. This was not what they hoped for, this was not what they expected, and this is not what they wanted. It, it brings a good question as we're as we're building into this idea of the kingdom. How do you respond? When God does not work the way that you expect or want. Right? Because they had built up this solution, this whatever in their minds for hundreds of years, and then it just was completely opposite and upside down from what they thought was coming. How do you respond when God is not working the way that you expect or maybe even want? How are your quiet times? How's your prayer life when God's not working the way that you want? How's your evangelism? How's your hospitality? How serving are you when God's not working the way that you want? Or the way that you thought it would all go down or unfold? You know, I feel like life the last few months for Katie and I has just been just up in the air. There's been a lot of things that we're kind of like, you know what? I do not think this is exactly how stuff would play out. This isn't quite how I saw things going down. You know, God, what what are you doing? You know, stuff with the church has been transitioned. Stuff the church has been transitioned in personal life. There's been some of you guys know. A lot of you know Katie's pregnant. But even but before that, there was we were having some complications there. We she. We had a miscarriage early on, and so there was one night probably four or five weeks or six weeks into it where she started having some cramping and really intense stuff it, it just was kind of it's a long night and so she went to the hospital um, the next day and she was there for a long time and you know they're looking they're scanning they, they find some blood clots and some hemorrhages in there, and so they're basically just like, well, either this will all resolve itself and be fine or it'll have a miscarriage or as the baby grows, the hemorrhage will grow, and it could lead to a stillbirth after, like, several months. So we just have to kind of wait and see. It's just like, that's it? Like, there's – can you give me any odds? Can you give me any – well, no. I mean, we can tell you that this is somewhat common, but we can't – you know, we don't know how it's going to play out. So that's going on. All stuff in our personal life. So it's just – life just feels like, God, what are you – What's going on here? Maybe you could kind of unravel this thing a little quicker. Show us what you could get behind what you're doing. I just kind of need to know. And it's in those times in life, right, where we're just, what? God, what are you doing? Yeah. Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. Higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know, those times in life are so hard because it, it feels like we have no control over anything.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's hard. That's hard. It's hard for us to trust. <laughs> Guys, you know what the price of entry into this kingdom is? You don't get into this kingdom by talent. By birthright, by strength, by knowledge, by experience, by victory. You get into this kingdom by complete and total surrender. That's the price of admission into God's kingdom. Complete and total surrender. You know, it's interesting when Jesus is talking about prayer in Matthew 6. How's he teaching them to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done not your kingdom come as long as it's in line with kind of what we're expecting here and your will be done as long as we're on the same page. No, 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 no. right. When we said Jesus is Lord, we said your king, it's your kingdom. It's your rules. It's your timing. It's your way. I'm all yours. Price of entry into the kingdom of God is complete and total surrender. The Jews had a hard time with this. They didn't like it. They didn't want it. They fought it, and you see it all throughout the rest of the Gospels, right? Jesus implementing this new kingdom, and they're like, "No, nah, you're a phony. You have to be a phony. This couldn't be God. This couldn't be God, because we're pretty sure all these. We're pretty sure it should be going down this way. So there's no way you're this savior. And there's just this battle of wills for the entire rest of the of the Gospels." The price of entry into the kingdom of God is complete and total surrender. Guys, as we move forward into studying out Jesus' teaching and expectations for the members of his kingdom, it starts with surrender. And so my challenge, my encouragement for the church as we move forward in this, I'm really really excited about this. It is going to challenge us, but it's also, I mean, it's it's exciting stuff. Um, I want us to start by going ahead in our quiet times, reading the Sermon on the Mount, and I want us to start examining our hearts. Am I surrendered? Have I given up up control? I'm not the king anymore. God, it's your way. It's your timing. It's your kingdom. It's your will. We've got to examine our hearts in our discipling times, in our quiet times. We've got to figure out, all right, am I surrendered? That's the place to start. That's my encouragement. That's my challenge for the church. Let's spend time this week really examining and praying, digging in to where our hearts are at and are we surrendered? Mm-hmm. And then next week we're going to get into the type of heart and attitude, some of what we looked at today, we should expect. Jesus expects for those citizens of his kingdom. And we'll start getting in to learning how to live heaven. Amen? Amen. Guys, let's go to God in prayer, and then we'll close with one last song.